Mahomes. Timing route. Down the sideline. It's caught. Touchdown. Brady pumps. Looking for Brown deep. And throwing for Brown. He's got it at the 30, the 20, the 10. The Patriots have won. Welcome back to Touchdown with Tom Will, episode four of Off Season Weekly. Um, lots more to discuss this week. Lots of things are going to have happened in the week, and me and Tom, as usual, immediately sending Instagram posts back and forth because, namely, Patrick Mahomes got paid. We talked about last week. We obviously correctly predicted him as the most talented player still on a rookie deal, uh, and he massively got paid that ten-year, four hundred and fifty million dollar contract. We're also going to talk about Colin Kaepernick um, and a new documentary has been made about him uh, as well as some other drama around um, the Black Lives Matter movement and the effect that might have on the Washington Redskins should they be changing their name um, and talking about other documentaries you might be able to watch during lockdown while it's still going on and things you can educate yourself about the NFL um, and finally we're going to introduce a new feature uh, that will probably be starting next week. Tom, Patrick Mahomes, um, biggest contract in sport history? No, it's mental, isn't it? And it's so funny that we were talking about players on rookie contracts and then the very almost the next day they reveal this unbelievable deal. And it's, it is an unbelievable deal because, as you say, it's the most lucrative contract in sports history. But I think the overriding opinion is that he's absolutely worth it. Yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it has. And a 10-year deal sounds incredible in football like we know in, in Europe, it's kind of like a four or five year deal. It's a big bumper deal. But you've got to think that he is a young quarterback. He's 24. And a 10 year deal to he's 34 for quarterbacks, their current lifespan in the NFL, that's not kind of ludicrous that he'd actually still be at the top of his game in 10 years' time. I thought try and work out, you know, who was big 10 years ago. People have been given ten, contracts 10 years ago. I've got a list of like the, the top fantasy picks from 10 years ago. So 2010 quarterbacks in the NFL. You've got number one, Aaron Rodgers. Number two, Drew Brees. Number four, Tom Brady. Uh, number seven, Philip Rivers. Number nine, Joe Flacco, until recently was the, the Ravens' starting quarterback. Eli Manning at number eight, who obviously um, only retired this year. Matt Ryan, who's still very much playing. Uh, Matt Stafford's in that list. So the idea that Mahomes can still be competing at a high level in 10 years is completely uh, understandable, and I think he will be. And actually, 450 million, who knows what, where contracts are going to go, might represent value. Well, is this a Scotty Pippen situation? Is it true that actually the Chiefs have got a deal? Well, yeah. Like, you never know how the cap space is going to change, whether 45 million a year for a quarterback is going to be an absolute steal. And he's not just any quarterback, is he? He has the potential to be the best ever. There's an argument that he's already a Hall of Famer. Even Even if he retired tomorrow, he's won a Super Bowl and been an MVP. So, no, absolutely. I think, I think the Chiefs have got a bargain. You do, the worst thing that could happen to the Chiefs, no, there's two worst scenarios, is that they give him a five-year deal, and then after five years, he's won three more Super Bowls, and he's then, he's then like, come on, it's got to be 55, 60 million, really. Yeah. So you could be giving him even more after five years, or even worse, you let his deal run down, and he's still in his prime, and another team has the chance to swoop in and get him. So I think signing him on for the 10 years, you rightly said, all those quarterbacks that you mentioned there stayed at their same franchise, except for Joe Flacco, who obviously went yeah, yeah, the Broncos yeah. right at the end, stayed at their franchises or are still at the franchise they were at 10 years ago. So actually, 
that's not unheard of. And maybe, yeah, as you say, in the long run, this could be this could be a bit of a steal considering the talent that he is. Yeah, and obviously you you have to remember that those are those are a lot of top players. But if you look at the franchises that they're at, there's definitely something to be gained by having a stable quarterback throughout those years in terms of your success. If you look at the top of that list, Aaron Rodgers, the Packers every year in the playoffs, the Saints every year in the playoffs with Drew Brees, Tom Brady and the Patriots, obviously. Obviously, he was a top player, Philip Rivers with the Chargers, spent a lot of years in the playoffs. Um, Manning had a lot of sister Giants, Matt Ryan at the Falcons. So, yes, these are good players, but there's definitely a lot to be gained from having the same coach, the same quarterback, which most of those teams have also had um, throughout a long lifespan. And also, I think it makes it a very attractive place for free agents and players looking for trades to go when you know you've got that stability. Like, yeah. you go as a top player for big money somewhere else, but you go to like a Cleveland where you know you might have free coach in the next two years and you don't know if your quarterback is going to be around in two years' time. You go to a, ten, a, a seasoned, successful veteran coach like Andy Reid and a quarterback on a 10-year deal who the organization obviously trusts and you know he's got the talent, it makes it a very attractive place. So the Chiefs can really start building their own kind of dynasty now. And I think there's no one doubting that they're going to be competing. With, as you said, they're retaining nearly all of their squad, aren't they, from the Super Bowl? Yeah. Um, they're going to be a power in the NFL for a lot of years to come. I think this is a great deal for Mahomes. And now we move down the list to see, you know, is Sean Watson going to get paid? And, and what is the new standard for quarterback values? Is this a supreme value? Is it that the next four or five contracts won't reach this because the players available next aren't of his talent? Or is it going to be like we've seen with quarterback contracts in the past where this is now the new standard and it only goes up from this? Well, yeah, that's the sort of the next point is we start now looking in real earnest at the players who are going to be due a new deal. Players that we spoke about on our list last week. We've never been, well, it's so topical, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's so it's so relevant, those sort of quarterbacks. So especially you're thinking Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, and even as it goes on and on and on, Dak Prescott. Yeah, those, are the, those are the three quarterbacks who will be looking at this Patrick Mahomes deal thinking, you know what, this is only good news for me. Though, I would say, so Lamar Jackson obviously had that great year last year, MVP. He's, I think he's 14-3 and three in the regular season as a starter for the Ravens. Yeah. But there is a big difference between him and Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes can come down from being 24 points to nothing against the Texans, and you're never doubting that they can get back in the game, and he does it in a half. Whereas yeah. Lamar Jackson, that's basically because Patrick Mahomes rely, well, doesn't rely on his arm, but it's such a strong arm. Whereas Lamar Jackson, the Ravens at the moment are pretty run heavy and you never know where they might go and how much better Lamar Jackson might get. But there's a big difference between Patrick Mahomes going the distance in the playoffs, Lamar Jackson, who's never won a playoff game, and Deshaun Watson, who did have that fantastic playoff victory last year against the Bills, but again, hasn't quite hit the same sort of level as Patrick Mahomes. But there's no doubt that if they have a couple of successful years, they're going to be asking for this sort of money now that Patrick Mahomes has set the standard. And now, how much is Dak Prescott going to be after? Yeah, I think, I think the interesting thing about Lamar Jackson is that there's no doubt of his talent, his ability, his athletic prowess. But in terms of like where he'll be next year, there's still a lot to see because a lot of teams he hasn't played against yet. And a lot of teams have had a whole now off-season to watch this film, possibly work him out. Because... His talent is undeniable, but also it's partly limited. His arm isn't as impressive as a lot of quarterbacks around his age group and around the NFL, but his running game is unrivaled. So you've, I think he's got to prove it for at least one, two more years that that's like absolutely 
you know, the future of that organisation, him playing that style, um, for it to pass. Obviously, it was incredible last year. Obviously, MVP. Um, but it's not the kind of style that you're going to be like, I want to invest, or for me at least, I want to invest a 10-year contract in this guy. Yeah. Because if he does get injured, and he gets a couple of long-term injuries, is he still going to have that pace, that first yard, where like he beats defenders like so impressively, that's still unsure. So I'm not sure that the Ravens are going to be giving him that kind of contract for at least a season, two seasons, so it's fully proven. Because it's kind of unheard of in the NFL, at least over the last 10 years. Look at the quarterbacks that have been perennially successful. You're talking about your Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady not your most mobile quarterbacks. Yeah. To have a kind of all-timer, top-tier quarterback playing Lamar Jackson style hasn't been, really been seen before. So I think it's more likely that that's going to hold off for a bit. Um, but yeah, incredibly impressive. And we'll see where the next big contract goes. Funnily enough, the last person to be given a 10-year contract was Michael Vick, who yeah. everyone compares to Lamar Jackson. And so, yeah, that's quite interesting as well. I think a good point you made just a couple of minutes ago was the relevancy of the coach and the GM and how stable the Chiefs are. That is a big determinant of Patrick Mahomes' success. You see Deshaun Watson hasn't been, despite the fact he's won divisions and had playoff wins, there's so many arguments that the likes of Bill O'Brien in the Texans' head office are really holding him back, trading away, obviously, his sort of best sort of assets in yeah. And DeAndre Hopkins especially. And it's, how long is Andy Reid going to stay at the Chiefs? Is he going to have a couple of years? This is such hypothetical thinking. Win a couple of Super Bowls and move on. And then where does Patrick, is Patrick Mahomes left? Can he do it with another coach? Or is it his relationship with Andy Reid so important? I'd say it certainly helped him in his early years. But going forward, how many years left does Andy Reid have? I'd say that Brett Veach, the um, Chiefs GM, he is young. He is really, yeah, he's an exciting guy to have in Kansas City. So at least the GM sort of spot is secure. But it's a massive factor in the relevancy of how successful these quarterbacks are going to be. How many years does John Harbaugh have left in Baltimore? Yeah. There was rumours that he would be losing. He was on, in a hot seat, like could have lost his job had last year not been so good and Lamar Jackson not been so great. And so for all these quarterbacks, Dak Prescott, Mike McCarthy has just come in. It's definitely important that the Chiefs have this stable position at coach at GM yep. nailed down. And I think that's a big factor in having a 10-year contract. I, I can't personally see, as long as they keep winning, which <laughs> currently they're so ready to win, and their division, they're kind of so clearly the, the favourites in that division and the most stable organisation in that division. I can't see any reason for Andy Reid to leave anytime soon. I think I don't think coaches get bored of winning. I think if you look at Belichick, I think if read one, two or three Super Bowls in the next five, six years, I don't think he's, he's leaving anytime soon. Um, he's got a quarterback that he believes in, that he works with, an organisation that backs him, and a fan base that loves him. Um, I think they could be seeing this out for a very long time. You look at the Sean Payton, Drew Brees, and you look at Mike McCarthy and uh, Aaron Rodgers up to now, and Belichick Brady, these, these duos um, kind of supersede all the other coaching positions, all the other staff. They don't leave when they get one that works really well. Um, so I think this could be a very long-term partnership for them too. I don't know what kind of contract Andy Reid's on, but uh, I imagine he's going to be a pretty big one soon if he's not already. Um, so that was huge. Patrick Mahomes got paid big bucks. In general, the NFL, I think, supporters said it was worth it. Um, oh, and it is funny how it's approved of in the way that in football, I think if anyone gets paid big, and I'm talking about soccer here, 
it's generally just frowned upon and called ridiculous. Never have I seen a big contract. And this is like a very young player who's gone from like earning 5k a year to like getting his first pro deal, really. Yeah. You never ever see someone suddenly get the biggest contract and everyone goes, oh yeah, fair play. You never get that view. No, it's, it's, it's a weird comparison, isn't it? And I don't know whether it's the fact that, I don't know, maybe people assume that football players come from a bit more privileged than NFL, yeah. NFL players. I don't know, because there's certainly a lot... Well, we've, we've spoken about it on the podcast. There's celebration when somebody gets their... They, we, they call it getting paid, and they've obviously yeah. been paid before. But it's their first contract after their rookie deal, where basically the rookie deal has various restrictions on how much money you can earn, blah de blah It's essentially so that um, franchises can save a lot of money on their rookie deals. Um, but basically, now, when they get their first contract... Well, the second contract, technically. But the first big contract, they call it getting paid, which is what Patrick Holmes obviously has just got. And yeah, you're right. When footballers get them in, sorry, soccer players in the UK get them, there's a lot of criticism. There's then suddenly way more pressure. Um, Everyone says, so I'm I'm thinking of just, I remember when Wayne Rooney got, it was announced he was getting 300,000 a week at United. And for a guy who was England's top goal scorer, uh, obviously, a United legend. There suddenly became a lot of criticism for this contract and saying, "Oh, that's a lot of money." And even when there's no caps, cap limit yeah. in England, it doesn't matter how many he, how much he earns. If Man United can afford it, then there's a lot of criticism. Whereas in America, they're all like, "Congratulations!" Definitely at first, they're like, "Congratulations on getting paid." If he doesn't deliver, then there starts to be talk about how expensive the contract is. Yeah, but, no, but at first, right. it's very much the theory of like if you get paid that amount, you've obviously done enough to deserve that amount. That seems, yeah. to, be, seems to be the fear. I think in, in general, it's partly the fact that in America, talking about salary and wages is culturally, outside of sport, more acceptable. Yeah. Uh, talk about, you know, what a particular salary is worth. It's all, it's all, before you even get to like, whether the fans care about it, it's all open, it's all public information, whereas a lot, often you see the wages reported by the, the Sound Daily Mail, is actually a reported salary. It's not the club actually saying, we've paid him whatever. Um, so right. part of that, and I guess we're more positive. We're more kind of uh, uh, we're more private about our money and our income in the UK than we are over there. Um, but well, it is very different. It's funny how different it is. Yeah, no, definitely. Like for example, we talk a lot about Arsenal and our comparisons. Bakayi Saka obviously got his first contract, which was great for him. And I was just out of interest, just wondering how much it was, and I couldn't find yeah. it anywhere. I couldn't Can't find, find it. Anywhere. No, it's all it's all non-disclosed. Um, it's, it's really yeah I think it is just a societal thing whereas in England we don't talk about money as much especially in America whereas in America it's almost the first first talk about yeah. contracts and how especially with there being salary caps I suppose that makes a bit of a difference because obviously yeah. the amount someone's on is very important to a franchise in their sort of yeah. organisation not that it isn't over here but it's almost more important no, but I, I, it's probably part of it yeah but you're right. It's certainly not as it's certainly not as open as what it is in America, which is really interesting, actually. Yeah. So Patrick Mahomes gets paid, and um, the next thing we wanted to talk about was we talked about our first episode of Season Weekly. It was um, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement has really come into uh, full flow in terms of the protests around the country. We discussed it, and we discussed its roots. We're taking the knee um, in the NFL, and the fact that Premier League players were taking the knee. Um, and how it's kind of transcended all sport. And then we saw, I don't know if you saw one of the F1, play, F1 drivers, um, which was interesting actually, because the F1 drivers, unlike the Premier League, it was, I'd say about 70% took the knee. 
Um, and the others chose for their own reasons, which they did state, but I think Lewis Hamilton very much condemned them. They chose to stand, but still wear the end racism t-shirts and ESPN and, and, and Disney have announced that uh, they're going to make a documentary with Colin Kaepernick, partly about him, but also telling the story of black lives and inequality um, through some fictional and some non-fictional stories. Um, and that's going to be coming out later this year. I think we're going to talk about uh, how the movement's progressed over the last four weeks and how big that documentary could be in terms of telling his side of the story. I think absolutely. I think it's definitely, it's a must watch or uh, potentially more so than the One Dance series. The yeah. Love Dance. Love Dance. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of Jake, a Drake promo there. The Last yeah. Dance TV series, the Netflix one with Michael Jordan, which was huge in America because yeah. the 90s Bulls hadn't really been reviewed yet. And this, the Colin Kaepernick story, hasn't really been told in a for, sort of format, sort of on live, on streaming. Yeah. It hasn't been told yet. And that's, I think, genuinely quite exciting to see. A lot of it is news articles, and obviously, obviously streaming services can be very one-sided, but I think news articles in particular yeah. can be very one-sided. And I think a more balanced series could be really interesting. And I think visual viewing could make a massive difference. It's interesting that it's not... As you say, it's not solely about Colin Kaepernick. It's sort of using that influence and he's going to help direct it and help tell stories of the civil rights movements and sort of from a Black Lives Matter lens. I think, I think genuinely it will be a really culturally important viewing. And when yeah. it comes out, it's going to be talked about, especially in America, but hopefully over here too. And hopefully it can raise not only the profile of American football, but also the profile of the Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah. Again, so sort of it doesn't, doesn't just go down. We're sort of, I need, we need to maintain this conversation, maintain talking about this thing. It, doesn't, it can't be just a trending thing, which I think it'll be really important when this series comes out to re-vitalise sort of the movement and the conversations around Black, Black Lives Matter. I, I agree, and I think actually part of the power of the fact that there's been some criticism of the Premier League players still taking a knee because people are saying, you know, this, we got why you did it that week, but usually when we like celebrate Remembrance Day, we hold the minute silence on one day, we don't do it every day. And the same for other kind of centenary and celebrations. And if, a, if an old player dies, we remember it one day. But I think the fact they're doing it every game is the entire point, is that this isn't like a movement. This isn't like a, a trend. This is like a whole societal change that needs to happen. Yeah, it's not educational a educational change that needs to happen. And if we just do it for one week and then we forget about it for the next 51 weeks yeah. and remember it again, then nothing's going to change. I think the fact that it's keeping it in the conversation. I saw a match today last night. They asked Dion Dublin about it. You know, is it important it's still staying? He was like, absolutely, it's important it's still staying. The next step is to now formalize it in the education of young people so that it then becomes a permanent part of our learning not just learning during the Premier League season while people are taking a knee, but I think it's crucial that they still are. In terms of Colin Kaepernick, he's showing himself to be an incredibly impressive individual or an activist. I'm sure he has a, um, a large future outside the NFL, but I still think it's important that this doesn't detract from the fact that he still hasn't been signed by a team. Teams aren't really interested in his workouts, and this is a player that led his team to a Super Bowl and is easily good enough to be one of two quarterbacks or be a backup quarterback in the NFL. And do you think teams are thinking that they've got to kind of get out of jail free card by the fact that he's doing all these documentary and stuff and they think that they can say he's not focused on his football? Because by everyone's 
judgment from his camp, he is absolutely ready and fit to play in the NFL right now. Well, you hope not, do you? You hope that franchises aren't seeing this. A, as, yeah, you're right, A, an excuse not to sign him from sort of a, oh, it's not, it's not our fault point of view. But yeah. also, they don't think, they could genuinely be thinking, oh, he, is his mind elsewhere? Do we really need to sign a quarterback? For, for, for completely the wrong reasons, because it's, yeah. it's not just focusing on, I don't know, if it was Michael Jordan and he was focusing on his sneakers, you'd be maybe a bit worried about, or someone trying to work on their Instagram too much. Yeah. Be a bit worried, maybe. But it's such, such an important issue as civil rights and Black Lives Matter. You'd hope they don't consider that a distraction. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you, never, you really hope not. You really hope not. And we, the, 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 if it happens, the day that Colin Kaepernick gets signed will be a mass, that would be a massive talking point. And at the yeah. moment, it's all in the air. But I think the introduction of this series, bringing out of this series, yeah, it could be really transcending for the NFL and the Black Lives Matter movement, a sort of a finally a visual story told combination of the two. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things that the Black Lives Matter movement has done is it's starting to look at the way we've written history over the last kind of uh, century, I guess, the way we've chosen to write history, the way we've chosen to portray certain groups and in many ways erase history. Um, and it started to bring up the conversation, which has been going for a long time. This isn't a new conversation about whether teams such as, and namely, but other teams as well, namely the Washington Redskins, should be called the Washington Redskins. Red, Redskins in itself, uh, it's not like the Chiefs. And, and, and the name itself has racist connotations. Um, and should they be displaying uh, a mascot, which is a Chief, and be called this, when a large portion of their fan base uh, finds it unacceptable. It's been massively condemned by um, the congressional groups from Native Americans. And it's really been up a conversation now. But I think for the first time, the Redskins have fully accepted that they're now having a debate within themselves about it, aren't they? Yeah, it's, it's the first time that... I can't, I can't remember the, the owner of the Redskins, but he's a pretty ignorant... Not ignorant man, sorry. He's a pretty stubborn man. And this has been raised on many occasions, the, the issue of the mascot and the nickname. Dan, and, Dan Schneider. Dan Schneider, that's it. The Schneider family. And he's basically, every single time, pushed it away. And finally, the Redskins announced that they will be undertaking a thorough investigation. And when you see those words, you're like, oh, what does this mean? Like, I yeah. how sort of wishy-washy that is. But it's, <laughs> funnily enough, before this was even a story this week, I think it was last week, we, both me and you got fooled by a spoof account that said they had changed their name. And then a few, few days later, and we were really impressed. We were really happy that it happened. And a few days later, it actually was announced that they were going to be investigating it. It's the, for, for me, if it causes offence, and even just, yeah, before you even look at it too deeply, the sort of redskins... It makes you squirm a little bit and you're like, ooh, I don't, I don't feel comfortable about that. And I have no, obviously, connections to Native American history. It hasn't anything personal to me. For me, the reason why we watch sport and the reason why we enjoy sport and the reason why we enjoy the NFL isn't the nicknames. We enjoy it for the action, the competitiveness, the drama. And if, if this logo, if this nickname causes someone to switch on the TV 
to watch the sport they love and causes them offense, it, it just change it. Just change yeah. it. it. There's no, there's no need for a fight about this because essentially it's just a nickname. It's, it's not, it's not important to me, but it is important to someone else. So change it. Yeah. And I think also, like something about American sports and the fact that like their nicknames, like it just doesn't matter. Like <laughs> yeah. if, if you were trying to change, like, I don't know if like you're trying to change Arsenal to a North London something or whatever, like that's, that is the name. We're trying to change Chelsea because it's just a place or like, I don't know, it, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Like it's, it's, it's not the same because that would be monumental. That would be the whole club's history. When you're named after like the Jaguars or like the, the Chiefs, for example, or the Patriots, like these things don't matter as much. You've still got the place you're named after that fans are like connected to. There's been a few name changes in the past. The, like Tampa Bay Rays, the baseball team used to be the Devil Rays. The, the Tennessee Titans, right till recently, 20 years ago, were the Tennessee Oilers. Like name change happened. Um, the Charlotte Hornets, the basketball team, until very recently, were the Charlotte Bobcats. Like it happens. Yeah. So there's no there's precedent for this outside of racial connotations. So when there are racial connotations, it absolutely shouldn't be a question of whether it's viable or not. Um, yeah. It just as, as you say, like it just doesn't matter. That's not why we enjoy sport. That's not why we watch it. I'd say an important point that you sort of worry about or so I thought I was like, what, what is the history of the Kansas City Chiefs? Yeah. So that obviously their, their stadium is the Arrowhead Stadium. They're, there's there's a few references there to Native American history and you wonder whether it's sort of draw it's getting close to the line where yeah. the Washington Redskins might have overstepped. And I was thinking about whether a debate to change their name would be more contested because of how well they're doing at the moment. So Washington yeah. are doing really poorly at the moment. And so changing the name is almost like, oh, we're, well, Washington, we can push, get rid of the Washington Redskins and start yeah. fresh as something new, something that might win now. Whereas the Chiefs, they're up here. You don't want to, it's almost, it's this funny thing about sports fans where you're like, you don't want to change a winning thing. Yeah. And I no, wonder right. whether I mean, that would be something that would be more contested had the Washington Redskins not be doing so badly at the moment. Would, would people be finding it weirder if it was going to be like, let's, let's say the Chiefs are going to be successful for a number of years and they're going to win five Super Bowls in the next 10 years. Would people be like, oh, you can't have it. So it's like the Chiefs won the first two and the Kansas City Lions won like the next yeah. three. Like, would, that be, would that be wrong? Well, no, of course it wouldn't because it would still be the same team. It would be absolutely fine. But the conversation about the Chiefs is far less pertinent at the moment. The Chiefs say that the name the Chiefs came from a local guy that ran the Cub Scouts and was nicknamed Chief, and then the branding is almost taken over from that. And now you've got fans wearing headdresses and they're banging Native American drums, and it's kind of... But they say the name Origin isn't, isn't wrong, but there's still lots of elements of white guys from Kansas turning up in face paint and headdresses uh, that don't sit comfortably. You know, if this was from a different area of the country and they were wearing blackface, that wouldn't be acceptable. So why is it acceptable for you to do Native American war paint? I'm, I'm not sure it really is. I wouldn't feel comfortable doing that. I wouldn't feel comfortable being a Chiefs fan and sitting amongst people that were doing that personally. So um, that's individual's behaviour as opposed to Redskins, which, yeah. like, I think nothing will change until in, until that changes. And I think it will be the first one. And their sponsors, haven't they, um, yeah. have very much said, FedEx have said that they want them to... Uh, this was the, so that's a lot of pressure then 
organization because if the sponsor pulls out what sponsor is then going to move in under those circumstances because yeah you're right if so fedex bought the rights i think the rights to the naming of the stadium yeah and they basically then held the redskins to account saying i don't know if they said if you don't investigate it we won't we'll pull out or if you don't change it we'll investigate they want to at least yeah yeah so if they pull out you're right the the precedent then is set for anyone coming in Essentially, you're saying you accept this, and this is it'd be a really big decision for anyone trying to invest then in the chief. Um, yeah, or in the and, the, and, and the, the, the stadium sponsor is the biggest sponsor they have in the NFL. The, yeah. um, they don't have it on the shirt, so that is the biggest income from a sponsorship. So, I think there's uh, 200 and, 205 million yeah. was the, the investment, which is massive. I think also, well, half of Mahomes' contract. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's mental, isn't it? Um, but anyway, so I think maybe that maybe that'll be yearly. I don't know. Anyway, so but also I think Ron Rivera, Riviera, Rivera, Rivera. Rivera. Well, anyway, him him being at the Washington Redskins is a massive factor as well. He's sort of he's spoken about the issue of namings and race, um, and so I think he's quite a driving force. He certainly wants to be a part of the discussions with Dan Schneider about the naming and i think that's important the fact that he's now there might be another yeah. driving force i think i think pressure will tell her i think there's I too think much pressure there's i mean obviously the president said that he doesn't like it but other than that if you've got your sponsors your coach your fans that that's that's going to be enough yeah. because if, they, if, they, if you now stop you're in a very tricky place as an owner in a franchise because you're basically saying you stand for everything that they don't stand for um which i think would make his life extremely difficult i think that will change um and it'll be interesting to see what it changes too and um, whether they kind of change the, the the logo and everything um but as i said it's not unprecedented teams have changed names before for all sorts of reasons um so it shouldn't be too difficult another thing we wanted to discuss to kind of keep our show in its new tighter format because me and tom could easily make a two-hour show if we purely just discuss these issues uh, forever was other than the Kaepernick documentary other TV to watch during the off season NFL related content that we've both loved um, most of which we've both watched maybe recommend one bit each it's a bit I love to watch which is slightly less NFL related but it does have a link is Last Chance You that's probably my favourite um, uh, American football at least related TV which is the story of players that go from being uh, at colleges on big contracts so then somehow finding a way of getting removed from those colleges, uh, often through behavior issues or maybe through smoking a bit of weed or something like this, they get kicked out. So they go to a, um, what they call a JUCO, a junior college, somewhere between high school and college to kind of rebuild their career, um, to try and get a new contract back at a uh, big college. They clearly, they're all talented enough, basically. And there's one JUCO league, because JUCO generally have the funding for sport, but there's one JUCO league, which has kind of 12 Jucos that really invest in their sport and last chance you follows a couple of these teams over their three four series um and it's really interesting because it's like a mixture of following the characters and their backgrounds often from very underprivileged backgrounds that kind of got too big went too fast too soon for like uh and to be able to do with the fact they were suddenly sent halfway across the country to go and play in a very elite setup that they weren't they weren't used to and really know how to act in these situations not fault of their own so then getting kicked out, going back and trying to rebuild their career. It's half following that and half following the kind of the crazy coaches that coach yeah. these two teams, both massive, massive characters. Um, uh, 
and and their kind of fortunes as teams. Both of these teams, where it's kind of like you win the league or bust. Like it's they've got unbelievable talent. They've got players that have been starting quarterback for you know Florida State and have played for like Auburn, like really top players that just got kicked out for whatever reason. Um, so that's yeah. kind of my recommendation as kind of a mixture between a kind of a, a human study, but also learning about the game. And I think it's very easy for someone to get into if they don't know the rules even um, to follow and enjoy. Yeah. Uh, and now I was doing the first one for basketball soon as well, the first kind of equivalent for basketball. I think, the, yeah, so it's, that one's called Last Chance You and it's on Netflix. And essentially the premise is that it's these boys' last chance to try yeah. and make it at college. And yeah, well, the Juco route is a difficult route to take because it is, again, sort of a lower level to D1. There's a lot, but it's highly competitive. Yeah. Right, there's so many D1 talent that's there in those teams. And people do make it out of D2. And there's some really nice stories about players who either make it back to their D1 colleges. Most of the amazing thing as well is most of them only spend a year there. Yeah, one year. year Juco just to try and get out. And that's the other thing. It's like, they're not there to form a legacy. They're there to get out, which is another interesting one, to, an interesting perspective to take. I think, I think just, just finally on that, the, the favourite story I saw was a guy called Dakota Allen, who uh, was at college, was at Texas Tech, then got removed uh, from Texas Tech, got expelled, um, went to East Mississippi Community College, which is the first one they follow. Um, in the second season of the Netflix documentary, he then gets an offer back at Texas Tech um, to finish his career because he obviously you know, redeems himself effectively. Um, and he then gets signed by Jaguars and he's now currently, uh, or he was hired around his first, but now he's on Jaguars. He's basically made it all the way to the NFL, all the way from like the, the lowest depths of a college career where it looks like it could be over for him. Um, and that, that's a great story. So um, there's lots of examples and it's really good to watch. And I think that's a very inspiring documentary in many ways as well. And this mental, the coaches are absolutely crazy as well. Yeah. So that's interesting. Um, another one on Netflix I won't talk about too long is QB1, which yeah. looks at uh, high school football, which is, again, mental for anyone in the UK to look at high school football. And you, so it follows three top high school prospects and their final seasons at high school. It's mental. There's like 10,000 fans at these games. And the pressure on these kids is insane. That's, that's a really good one. But I'd say if you want to get into the NFL and where I sort of started with the NFL, you have to watch All or Nothing on yeah. Amazon. It follows, there's many series, and I would say start at the beginning with the Arizona Cardinals. I yeah, believe. the Cardinals are the first one. So that's obviously a few years ago now. So it won't be currently relevant, which is a slight, maybe, maybe that's a bit of an issue. But so the players who are playing there now aren't the players in the, in the season, in the the documentary, but basically it's a, it's a fly on the wall following of the whole year of an NFL franchise. And it's amazing. And it's so, it somehow manages to capture every little storyline yeah. in the season. It's a great way of learning about how an NFL franchise works in terms of they follow the draft, they follow the coaching, they follow players' lives at home, people getting paid, contracts. Yeah. But also, it, helped, it really helped me understand rules and how games were played. And it really is a good, it's a perfect balance, I think, between a complete novice to the sport and someone who understands it completely. I think All or Nothing is a great place to start if you want some NFL, especially specifically NFL content. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's superb. And they've done 
they had the, if you want to look at it by which team you might be interested in, if you want to go through all five series, we'd recommend you do, obviously. But uh, the Cardinals, and then following that, they did the Rams, um, which was fascinating because when they did the Rams, it was then moving from St. Louis to L.A. It was their first year in L.A. And for the first six months of their time in L.A., they weren't even, they were like a, a college training field. They weren't even a proper training field because they were still building their facility. Um, so that was fascinating. Um, there's a coach sacking in the middle of that, which is fascinating. That was um, so you've got the Cardinals, the Rams, the Panthers, which is a really good way of seeing Cam Newton up close. Um, if we were talking about him a lot last week. Anyway. So the, yeah, they've done the, the Cowboys and the Eagles. And at the moment, uh, they're doing Tottenham, which would be mental. Tottenham well, yeah, no, I was about, what I was about to say about the All-Nothing series, you may have come across it by seeing Man City or Leeds do it. And the reason I'd say, it, I've watched those, but the reason I say it works far better for the NFL is because... Given it's an eight or ten episode series, it's far easier to condense sixteen game season into that many episodes than it is a fifty game season. Yeah. So where I think it fell down with City is they did City during the year they won the title, and there was effectively no drama. So there were like long period, long episodes where like they'd win seven out of eight games, and they made massive dramas about a couple of injuries. Whereas in the NFL, every week matters. There's no like oh, okay, you play Stoke at home and it's a win and you move on. Like, there aren't easy games, even for the top teams. So it's far more, uh, it's far better at like showing over one episode, the whole week's prep up to a game, the game, and then maybe the next week's prep. And you see it in far more detail than seeing like a football season in the UK where they are trying to condense a whole year into 10 episodes and lots missed. The Spurs one, just quick note on that, is going to be brilliant because yeah. the Spurs <laughs> one, you've had a managerial sacking You've had COVID. You had Mourinho. You've had Mourinho fighting in the stands with a player. You've got Mourinho. You've got uh, players Sox. leaving in January. You've got a fight on the pitch just this week. Yeah. Um, and that's just half the content for the New Spurs stadium. one. New stadium. There were season in a long time. Some embarrassing yeah. losses. Uh, obviously, I'm talking about this fairly gleefully as an Arsenal fan. <laughs> uh, looking forward to these kind of moments of chaos. But that one will be good. But I do think the NFL one's really managed to condense a 16-week season really well into about an 8-10 episode um, series. So they're definitely worth watching. Well, they, 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 they follow franchises. And I thought for, for next week, a new segment of Touchdown with Tom and Will off-season weekly is we're going to introduce a segment called Fantasy Franchise. And me and Will are going to essentially, in our minds, in our imagination, form our own franchises making important decisions that we discuss during the week and sort of make them relevant to the topics that we discuss. So I thought we'd start off with next week, we'd come in with our, our fantasy franchises, name, location, and mascot. I thought right. that would be a good thing to think about. Relevant, obviously, to the Washington Redskins, should they change their name. Me and Will are going to decide where our fantasy franchise is going to be based and what the nickname is going to be. Yep, I think that will be a really interesting place to start. We'll start with that, then we'll move on to kind of, you know, what contracts are we giving our players? What kind of coach do you want to hire? What kind of style do we want to play? You know, um, uh, what division are we looking to be placed in? All we, all we, there's, there's unlimited potential for this. It's really interesting to kind of see where we would start because we admit Tom was saying just this week um, how it almost feels like the NFL owners at points are playing fantasy. Yeah. With a kind of like, so... Tampa Bay pick up Brady, then they're like, oh, okay, we'll grab Gronk as well. And now it's like, oh, uh, Antonio Brown, he's a free agent. Maybe we'll just like send him to Tampa as well. It, it's, it feels more like fantasy than 
perhaps the Premier League and maybe that's because there's only 32 teams in the whole sport so you know big people are much closer to the other teams than when you've got a whole global sport like football or soccer where uh, players can literally go anywhere in any division whereas it's much more kind of localised you could say in the NFL and everyone knows each other I think far better in the NFL especially in div- within divisions but um, yeah so Fantasy Franchise launches next week uh, and you'll have to come back for episode 5 where we launch that series uh, I think that's all we've got today Tom yeah no it's been a good week plenty to talk about and I'm sure next week there'll be something else thrown up yeah I mean will there be another massive contract to discuss um, will Brown find the team will Cap find the team um, something will happen we forward. don't even realise as well something will happen we don't even see oh yeah oh yeah I mean there'll be think, things like uh, uh, things like Cam Newton going to the Patriots things like this contract came out of absolute nowhere for us yeah. Um, so there'll be plenty of things about I'm sure next, next week I might be somewhere on the road driving around the country Tom will be off the west coast of Africa but we yeah. uh, <laughs> we will still bring you an episode hopefully uh, so we'll, we'll see you next week bye Route. Down the sideline, it's caught, touchdown! Brady pumps, looking for Brown deep, and throwing for Brown. He's got it at the 30, the 20, 